welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast, Season 2. I am your host, Byron Rogers, and this podcast is dedicated to the close protection specialist, the executive protection agent who wants to take their career to the next level and get better at our craft. If you're the type of professional that likes learning from other individuals who have done it or are doing it, you are in the right place. We're gonna train soft skills, talk about hard skills, and become the types of practitioners that will restore honor to our sacred art, our sacred vocation of protection. So sit back, relax, y'all, and enjoy the show. Boom, yo, what's going on, y'all? Byron Rogers here, back with the podcast. And, um, you know, they're all special guests, but I got a special guest for y'all, man. I got a special guest. My main man, Yosef Badu. How you doing, brother? Hey, how you doing, Byron? Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it had to be done. It had to be done. I, uh, nah, I love you. I appreciate your stuff. It was good working with you at the uh, symposium and all that too, man. So it's good to have you. Yeah, no, it was a fantastic time. You got me energized for the new year. And I know people are clamoring for more of that symposium. They're like, oh, you should do eight a year. You know, we're like, oh yeah, we, we got it, you know? <laughs> so it was a pleasure. You did fantastic with that that symposium, man. I was just blown away by the the audience, the attendance, the, the industry people in there. So it was a blast yeah. on my side. I can't, you know, just nothing but good times. Heck yeah, yeah, and good feedback. Um, and got a little, got a little valuable feedback too. Like some people were like, you know, I want to see some different things. I'd like to see some hands-on things. So like I went with, I went with a more information centric or soft skill centric approach because I was like, dude, how can I help them help people? You know? And I was like, I can't turn anyone into a black belt overnight, but like, what can I, what trainers are out there? Who's out there? They can help people up their protection game in a conversation so they can walk out of the building better at protection. And of course you were the first, you were the very first person that came to mind. Cause I remember <laughs> I took your, I took uh, one of your courses. It was uh, the, you know, I took that was a, that quick one day down in dirty. Uh, yeah. Bank of California. Yeah. Yep. So that was, you know, this guy won't make you black one day, but he'll teach you how to, how to be more effective at, uh, recognizing what you need to recognize <laughs> before. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's great. And I always look at it as like the spark. All right. A hundred percent what you said, Byron, we're not going to turn anybody into ninjas in one day or two days or whatever, but can I say something? Can I, can I add something to your toolbox? It's going to spark something. You, you remember the movie inception, right? You know, that's oh, one of my favorite movies, Brad. dream. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what I like to do. And, and, and that's what you put together at the symposium. That was really great. Like no one walked out a, a super ninja to black belt, but everyone in there got sparked. Everyone got motivated. They, they opened their eyes to see what was out there. And just from that symposium, the effects of that symposium are still being felt by people. They don't even realize it, you know, a week, a month, a, a six months, a year from then the, the retention on it, we, we put inception in their heads and they walked away and they're just going to turn it into their own idea and, and go on maximize their effectiveness um, as a security personnel, executive protection, law enforcement. So it was a fantastic place to, place to spark that interest. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's what's up. That was the goal. Boom. Um, so today we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. We're gonna talk about kind of I guess give them like a 
who are you and what are you about real yeah, quick sure. just so they know what we're where we're heading with this for sure my name is yusuf badu and um I started a business about almost three years ago, Emergence. Um, I had a background in the military and the Marine Corps, where I did a bunch of combat tours over there in Iraq. And then uh, after that, I basically landed in a really small mil- uh, Marine Corps program called Combat Hunter, which is, you know, the, we needed the ability to train our forces to be more situationally aware. We were dealing with a really elusive enemy at the time. They don't wear uniforms. It was insurgency, kind of guerrilla tactics. So we couldn't rely on the old tactics anymore. So we had to get much smarter, much quicker. So how do you do that? Well, the only way you can do that to train situational awareness is talk about specific pre-event indicators of threat or violence, right? What do those look like? What do those mean to other people? Like we've heard it all a lot, you know, you got to be situationally aware, head on a swivel, all those taglines we like to throw out there, you know, complacency kills. Those are great taglines, but you know, what does that mean? What does that mean to me, to you, to mom and pop, to all, all those people out there in the community? Everyone's probably got a different definition. So my goal is to standardize that and train people in that. After I left the military, um, I really saw the need for this in our communities. So that's why I developed some of the training I have now is just because, yeah, military needs this, law enforcement needs it. But what I did is kind of modify it a little bit take away some of the scary things that scare people away oftentimes if they don't have a background like you or me and just educate them on looking for specific pre-event indicators, whether it be out in town with your family, whether it be uh, some type of workplace violence thing. So not exactly an active shooter, full blown kinetic event, but it might just be some internal struggle. Being able to be aware of your surroundings, the human terrain around you, pick up on little pieces of information and make decisions based off that. So that's what I've been doing. And that's what I will be doing till uh, my dying days so far. Awesome. That's what's up, man. Boom. And that's what I love. I mean, that's what I love about you, man. Like you got the bat, you have the real world experience, then a wealth of experience training people at the top of the game who are doing it in the world. Um, And you've just stayed in that, you've just stayed in that flow, you know, and it's like, and then you even had the benefit of getting feedback from guys on the ground about your tactics and stuff like that, like, you know, out in Iraq, you know, could you talk a little bit about that? Kind of what was some of the feedback you were getting? Yeah, it was fantastic feedback. Uh, during my time there at the program, um, you know, I stand on the shoulder of giants, obviously. And um, it was really impactful to have people get your training actually deployed to a pretty bad combat zone, whether it was Iraq or Afghanistan. I was at the program for a lot of years. So both kind of fronts were were heating off at different times. And you'd actually have direct feedback because they'd come back in deployment. Not only would you give a big action report, but it was really impactful when those Marines would show up at your doorstep and knock on your door and go, Hey man, because of what you taught me, A, B and C didn't happen. Hey, because this, we disrupted this. Um, there's yeah. tons of them out there. One one great example was a one from a, a new lieutenant who joined the, the the Marine Corps and deployed to Afghanistan. Long story short, they're going into a building, and so we not only teach the behavior assessment side at the program, we would teach tracking, you know, visual tracking, how to follow people. And uh, what he did was they took contact from a building. His unit was about ready to run right in this compound, but he had that bad gut feeling that I talked about in my training to verbalize that stuff and he peeked over the wall of this compound started looking around at the ground notices fresh disturbance a lack of people uh all the different indicators that we teach 
And he turned around and said, nope, we're not going in this building. And he had him take cover somewhere else. Long story short, the engineers show up and they start um, wanting that area with their metal detectors. And within that compound on the inside perimeter, they found about 13 IEDs that are uh, chained together. So had that unit got in there, it would have been a mass casualty. So those guys actually called us from Afghanistan. They didn't even wait to get back. They said, hey, you got a call from Afghanistan coming in from the COC. Had to come in and set up the special phone so we could talk to them. And it was their command staff. And they wanted us to let us know, like, had, but for that training we received from you, you know, you know, a lot of Marines could have lost their lives or been seriously hurt. So that's just one of many, Byron. That's just thousands and thousands. But that's the one that really sticks out on my mind. So to have someone tell you that face-to-face, that's uh, that puts a big, dumb grin on my face, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. No, that's... Yeah, that's got to be the ultimate payoff, man. You know, the dudes are out there whipping it on, doing what we did and do. And I just can't even describe it, man. So that's what's up. Who are you at your core? Who is Yosef Badu deep down inside, moving through time and space on the planet right now? You know, what are you about as, a, as an individual? Well, that's a super simple question, Byron. You know, uh, <laughs> I was like, "What?" That's like one of my hardest questions, man. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me get out my recording. You know, that's a big one, man. But um, starting the business and going through some of the stuff I've been through, it's like you really try to be deliberate and try to define what you're doing in life, not necessarily who I am, but what I'm doing. And wow. I, if I if I could tie it to that, I'd say uh, I'm an educator. I, I'm a, I'm a fire starter. Okay. I'm not going to be the guy that's with you in your own entire life journey, but I'm that, I'm that one guy that says something to you one time, gives you an example and it sparks something just kind of like we've talked about today. Um, so one day you can be the hero. That person can be the hero. They go forth and they do something crazy. I don't want any accolades. I don't even care if you remember my name, my face. I just remember, I should remember what I say, what I said, and, you know, a, a little fire that I sparked. And then one day you do some type of action or you disrupt some type of action and you get to go home and tell your family and people all know about, you know, your awesome actions that you did to disrupt something violent. Uh, I'd like to be the guy in the back, kind of in the back corner, kind of pulling the strings, uh, letting you know that stuff. So that's basically in a nutshell, if that was vague enough for you, but I, I like to spark that interest, get people motivated and get them on their journey to education. Because like you said before, I'm not going to turn anybody into a black belt in one day. But if I can spark you, I can get you motivated, get you out there studying yourself. That's a much, much better training environment to be in. Heck yeah, man. No, that's what's up. I, I, I find that a lot of people that come on this uh, podcast with me are like um, teachers and empowerers. They're people that are just about empowering others. And it's you know, a lot of times it's a strong human in whatever their is their gift is they're usually a strong person that lives to try to get that strength or that skill or that ability into other people 100 percent, 100 percent. absolutely that's a good capture i like how you frame that and seeing the people we have on this show you know i know that's true 110 percent um and it really just kind of grabs me as you, you deal with producers, Byron. You are a producer. You bring producers onto this show. You're, you're networked with producers. So people who want to go out there and not take, not just be, you know, intaking things, but actually producing things, making people better, 
Um, that's a fantastic voyage to be on. And, and again, thanks for allowing me to be within the caliber of the people in the, the oxygen in the room is fantastic. Catch, so <laughs> we get to do that. That's awesome. That's hilarious. <laughs> the oxygen in the room is fantastic. Rare <laughs> air out here, my friend. Rare <laughs> air. Thank you, man. That's, that's awesome feedback. That's awesome feedback. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's an honor to be able to be a, be a conduit or at least have these conversations <clears throat> that I probably wouldn't otherwise get an opportunity to have, you know, um, but to be able to bring this content to people, is, it's an honor, man. Yeah. Um, have you, would you say that you have changed your content uh, as a result of these active human threat, kind of all these active human threat things that you've been seeing? Has it changed the way you guys do, you do, you look at things and teach or? Most definitely. Most definitely, Byron. So, I mean, to give you my ulterior motive, yeah, training is vital. I've seen this training work for years and years and years. I've trained thousands of people in this stuff even before I started in the business. So what I want to do is gather as many people to hear this message as I can. So the, the biggest things I can. So what I've actually done is where I modified. I took out a lot of some of the scary militaristic stuff. And that's just the name of the game. You, me, the people we roll around with, we're ready to rock and roll, you know, no problem. We have the mindset for that. But a vast, a huge majority of the population is, you know, honestly just not mentally prepared for that, all right? So what do I do? Do I go hardcore? Do I hit them with all the tactical stuff? Like, hey, welcome to like murder, death, kill, LLC, you know, <laughs> oh, um, canoe people in the head and like your average citizens going, whoa, wait a minute. That's a lot of information here. So I've tried to take out some of the scarier stuff and, build in more, you know, thought provoking things, more emotional based response to get people motivated instead of going, Oh my God, this is scary training or whatever it is to stand back and go, you know, damn it. Maybe I'm not as trained as I thought I was. Maybe I need to do some more training. And what's great. You're actually starting to see the effects of it in my students, my instructors that I'm, I'm training right now, a whole bunch of them have either tactical training businesses or training businesses of some type. And mm -hmm. They felt that same kind of thing with me. They have their core audience of people that have to get their training. Let's say they teach firearms or whatever it is. They have their core group audience, but if they just clean it up a little and expand out, they can bring in a whole larger audience to get that mindset training. So now I'm starting to see them do it. I'm encouraging them to do it. So they'll go in, they'll go to an organization or group of people. They'll teach them the situation awareness skills. And that's where the light bulb, that's kind of the bridge to get them into the other side of the mindset to go, okay, wait a minute. Maybe I do need some more training and then you go, oh, if you do come on down, we have that type of training. So that's how I've really modified um, that stuff. The core science, the research behind it relative, stays relatively the same. I mean, this stuff was um, studied and figured out uh, all the way back starting in the 1940s, 1950s, when we break down like the behavioral indicators and whatnot. It's just packaged in a way to give people that proactive mindset to take a step back, take a stock what their training level actually is at that point right that makes sense yeah absolutely man no that's that's fantastic you were mentioning going in and like kind of opening people's eyes to the reality that they need training for being kind of part of the conduit and what starts people on that journey of seeking more training mm -hmm. um <clears throat> what would you say is there anything that you would want the listeners to think about that might show them that like hey you know what maybe i do need to, to train a little bit more yeah. I mean, it just goes back to your every day, you know, mm -hmm. um, our, our brains operate in autopilot a lot, of, a lot of the time. And it's right. scary how often they, <laughs> they operate in autopilot. 
And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Your brain is trying to do that to preserve energy, preserve resources. You can't, you know, take in all information all the time. It doesn't work. I'll tell myself what would happen if your brain downloaded all the information you took in, uh, in one day, 24 hours, you know, it'd be like if you were surfing the internet or watching Netflix and you downloaded everything you stood on the internet, what would happen to your computer? It'd just freeze. <laughs> explode. Yeah. If you tried to do that with your brain, you'd be in the back corner trying to lick your own elbow in a couple of hours, you know? Um, so instead of trying to be like, oh, you need to focus on everything all the time, that's kind of paranoia. I don't want to <clears throat> I want to tamp things down. So instead of being paranoid and looking for threats everywhere, let's use research-based behaviors and look for specific pre-event indicators and focus our attention. You know, I tell people all the time, when you wake up in the morning and this is a hypothetical, you know, you wake up in the morning, you get gifted like a thousand dollars of currency, you know, a thousand dollars of attention currency. Right. So if you spend that attention currency by 10 o'clock in the morning, guess what? Your brain taps out and Murphy's law will tell you, you're going to not be paying attention or you're going to burn out right when you need to be looking at that specific indicator or that specific threat, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's easy. The deck is definitely stacked against us with all the stuff. Our brain gets distracted with at any given point. The fact that most people, most people, our community members are not walking around in like a highly non-permissive environment. There's not threats everywhere. So it, it's a little bit, you know, when you're in a combat, when you're an executive protection agent, it's easy to go, hey, head on a swivel, let's go, it's game time, you know, uh, how hard is that to flip into that mindset when it's your every day? So it's just about being, I, I, I tell people to be very deliberate with their observations, don't get into paranoia, don't, don't be into fear-based thinking, use fear, fear is a gut feeling, fear is there for a reason, it's a survival mechanism, it's trying to tell you, pay attention, but don't get that letter rule you and... Um, don't get too distracted and use research-based repeatable things to look at it on a given day. Heck yeah. So like one of the things that I always get on my, on my Instagram when I'm posting all these like real world combat engagements is people are like, you can't just be ready all the time and you're just going to be paranoid all the time. And I'm like, eh, nah, like it's not there. Yeah. I mean, I feel safer once I have a plan. Yep. I do little simple things to help it not take so much bandwidth to be able to watch and pay attention. And there's, I don't know, what would you say to that person who's like, there's no way you could have saw that coming because you would have to be paranoid always. Yeah. Go, go to my Facebook group, go to anywhere you see me, you know, where we're doing stuff and you'll see people on there. You're teaching people PTSD. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not teaching people PTSD. You're going to, you know, and it's good because other people will jump on and go, this is not what this guy's talking about. But like once a week, someone's like, you're teaching people to have PTSD. We don't, I don't need more PTSD. It's like, that's so good. I'm trying God to dial that. that down. You know, yeah. you think of you think of the concept of a needle in a haystack, you know, mm-hmm. the threat is the needle and we're walking around in the haystack. Am I, do I want to teach you to build a bigger haystack? You know, no. that's what you're doing when you're being paranoid and you're, you're looking for threats, or you're building a bigger haystack. It's still the same tiny little needle you got to find, but you're adding all this extra stuff into it that might not neither. So what you said, Byron, what you have processes you put in place. You have processes so it doesn't take much bandwidth. You automate some of these observations and you're not reacting to it. You're being proactive. Once you're proactive, you can put a lid on things. You can get ahead of it, you know? 
so that's just my only comment. I try to educate people. I go, look, this is an Uncle Jim Bob's behavior analysis. It's kind of hard. You're still new and kind of up and coming because people yeah. believe it's real. You know, either they come in and say you're teaching pe- people PTSD or like they, they call it. Yeah. How about, you know, combat obvious? How about just pay attention, bro? I'm like, <laughs> complicated than that, you know, uh, I get the same ones. Like I'll be putting out like uh, field notes, like executive protective field notes. Yep. So I try to do I'm going to I'm going to try I'm going to try and bang out 100 of them by the end of the year. I will. Oh, yeah. And um People be like, this is just obvious, basic things. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, good for you. I hope you're, you know, making all the money you need and your yep. career is great, you know. Uh, but I see <laughs> people get fired over these things, you know. Yeah. So like, I've seen good dudes that I would go into a house with, you know, and fight the enemy with get fired over some of these things. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, if nothing else, complacency kills and a good reminder and, and, and good media outlets that can keep you on your game, I think are, are, are valuable, but you know, there's always somebody who knows more. God bless them. Everybody. It's I call them, um, I stole their from somebody, but I call them the one man national assets. (laughs) You're the Omna bro. You're the the infantry God of wonder, you know, (laughs) bequeathing your knowledge on me. It's like big head, but it's like, there's definitely doable. I've been training people for years on it. Don't listen to me. Listen to what my students have to say. And and that goes and piggyback with my comment earlier about being the guy in the background is for all those people out there that saying, oh, it's obvious. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, for the thousands of people out there, those are by far outweighed by the one person who comes back. And you know this, Byron, you've experienced this, that one person who comes back because of that one thing you said, the way you, mm-hmm. you're like, hey, man, because of A, B, C, and D. I just had a cop. I don't have it in front of me right now, right now, but a cop from the, you know, um, I don't teach cops anything new that's going to blow their hair back. But what I do is I teach them to use the stuff they're already using. They're way better at and analyzing behavior than I'll ever be, but I'll, uh, I'll give them the tools to bring it to the surface. So I'll have cops come up and tell me when I train them, it's like, dude, what you just said, I've been doing it for like 20 years, but I never knew it had a name, you know? So I just had a cop from the Bay area, he write me this long email how him and his wife were in Mexico and he's one of my former students. And basically he got out of a sticky situation. He started baselining the area, started looking for anomalies proactively, noticed a couple anomalies, people showing up. You know, I talk about people who show up to places where, and they don't have a purpose for being there. And that happened in this marketplace area. And he grabbed his wife and he got the heck out of there. And he took the time to write this long email just to show. And everyone's like, Oh, what happened? Did those guys do something? Did they attack them? What happened? And you know what the response is? He's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I got my wife and I got the hell out of there. You know, I'll read about it later on the news, you know? So all those people out there that have all that good stuff to say, they're by far outweighed by that one individual, that one person comes up and says, Hey, because of what you said. So I just roll with it. I I figure it's, it's me. I got to be a good shepherd, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. So I'm going to try to educate them as much as I can. Heck yeah, man. And simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. There's a reason we're all going to dojos and shooting ranges and gyms to just work on the fundamentals again and again and again. And we still suck at it years later. And we're still working on the fundamentals again. I mean, like, you know, God bless you. Uh, um, You were saying some terms, you were breaking down some terms. You said baseline anomalies. Can you give us just kind of some ABCs of uh, situational awareness? Yeah, sure. I'll just give you the overarching principles and a lot to go into it. 
And with this stuff, it's not rocket science. It really is not. It's not rocket science, but it's not common sense. So a couple of tips I can give people right now, if you haven't heard uh, me on Byron's show before, is establishing baselines. It doesn't matter what you do, what your position is, executive protection, law enforcement, military. Every time you go somewhere, uh, new areas, you can always establish baselines. What is the norm? What should be? And what's great about establishing baselines is you don't even have to be in that location before you can start using those baselines. Let's say you've worked the Grammys, the Emmys, whatever it is for executive protection. You've been in an event before. You have a general idea what should be happening, where people should be positioned. And once you get on deck, you're already mentally preparing yourself for what the baseline should be. Once you get there, now you're proactively hunting for those anomalies, looking for deviations from that baseline, you know? So um, a normal baseline for a Starbucks, you walk in, people are, you know, typing on their computer, buying coffee, reading, writing, hanging out, people in the back selling. Uh, that's a pretty good baseline to establish. And if we were right here in Southern California, establish a baseline on a Starbucks here in California, what are the odds you could take your baseline you've established here in California on that Starbucks and go to a completely foreign country? Should the baseline probably stay the same? It's probably not going to be exact. You know, but Japan, there's going to be cultural and social differences, but 80, 70, 80% of that baseline should still apply. Mm-hmm. It's a great tool, always establishing baselines and then looking for those anomalies or deviations. Okay. And the anomalies, you can look for two different ones, ones that fall above your baseline. And uh, that would be something that's not part of the baseline that's been added there. Right. So I walk up to that Starbucks and I go to pay my money for my coffee and someone in a Bozo the Clown, you know, suit walks up and, you know, handles my transaction. <laughs> in addition to, that's something that's there that should not be there. Uh, but the more subtle ones are anomalies under your baseline, things that are not there that should be there, you know? So if I, you know, have a street sweeper that shows up every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, and then one Tuesday it's not there, how easy do you think that is to spot? And I can tell you right now, our brains are not really conditioned to spot those ones that have been taken out, but they're just as important to establish. So that's what I was saying before. The science stays relatively the same. doesn't matter what your position is. You're always establishing baselines, whether it be an on-end advance or, or a detail, hunting for those anomalies. And then the last component of this, uh, the biggest disconnect I have is once you've established a baseline and you spot an anomaly, you have to do something about it, Byron. You have, have to. You have to. You have to conduct some type of action. <clears throat> all about building a, in a bias for action with people when they see these threats. Um, I can't tell you what to do because you only know you, you only know your position, your, your authority, or your cop, or your military, or EP. Uh, but I can tell you, uh, once you spot that anomaly, you got to do something. At minimum, get your people out of there, get your wife and your family out of there. But if you're more empowered to do something, start kicking people in the ass and making things happen because those type of actions can disrupt this, this harm or violence before it even gets started. Examples of anomalies. Examples for anomalies. So you have upper level anomalies that are overt. You know, we've all talked about before looking for bulging around the waistline at the ankle, um, um, but also it gets more subtle. So a lot of people know those things, but um, what about padding or, 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 or touching? So I might not even see a bulge on a person's waistline that might indicate a weapon of some type, but what I might see is them continually padding or checking or adjusting. If anybody listening right now has ever carried a weapon concealed, you know, that thing, depending on your weapon, gets heavy throughout the day. You got to adjust it, pick it up. Annoying. Yeah, it gets annoying, you know, gets all sweaty. 
Um, if you're wearing, you know, plain clothes and you're out in town, you don't want to flash that thing. So you might hold the bottom of your shirt down as you sit down, stand back up and so forth. So there's different levels of that. So we have the overt stuff, the bulging and all that good stuff, but there's different levels all the way to something as simple as scanning a crowd and looking for a pacifying behavior, you know, someone rubbing the back of their neck, cleansing their face, uh, rubbing the hands quickly, all things that, that are kind of ticky activities. But if I see that, I don't know if that person has a gun. I don't know if they're about to attack me, but I knew, do know based off that observable indicator, there's some, there's some type of fear or threat happening in that person's brain. So of all these people I'm looking at in a crowd, everybody's playing by the rules. It's all about figuring out, you know, who's playing by the rules, who's not playing by the rules. If I can paint all these people out, they're all playing by the rules. And I got one or a couple individuals showing me that pacifying behavior. Uh, and that's all I got. I'm going to focus my attention on that person, that group of individuals. I'm not going to run over there and Goldberg them and like tackle them and put them in zip ties. Yeah. Try the DDT on them just yet. But if I had to pay attention, I'm going to pay attention to these folks and see if they give me anything further, any more thread to pull on. I, I like, you know, I, I call pulling on a thread. If I pull on a thread long enough, what happens? That bad event, that shooting, mugging, attack, whatever is disrupted and it doesn't happen. And that's a much better day in my, my playbook. I dig it, man. Or I'm just going to position myself, start getting in position, start getting in position. Exactly. It's uh, what you said earlier, Byron. You had a plan. You mm-hmm. had already prepped in your head, so therefore you're lowering your bandwidth. That's I'm going to steal that, by the way. That's a perfect analogy for it. By automating it, by thinking of this stuff beforehand, you are literally decreasing the bandwidth that your brain has to deal with uh, and you, you've come up with plans, you know, and when you said that, I just made me think of a cop. He used to, he'd tell me he worked in a really small town, but he'd uh, kiss his wife goodbye in the morning, whole uniform, he's walking out the door, they have a small guest bathroom right out next to their front door. And before he'd go to work that day, he'd stand there and he'd look in the mirror and all his gear and he'd go, someone's going to try to kill you today. I don't know how, I don't know when, but they're standing. And it's like, that's gangster. That's a hell of a mindset. That's a prepared mindset. He's not out there looking for people to shoot. He's not, it's not like that, but it's like General Mattis used to say, you know, be polite, be professional and have a plan to kill everybody you meet. Everybody you meet. I literally posted something on that on, uh, this morning I posted on IG and I was like, I said something like your smiles, my smile's my best weapon. Yeah. And then I was like, and it was like this whole post about smiling. And then yep. I was like, but never forget what General Mattis said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some people will get it. Some people won't. They don't get old, man. They, those never age, man. Those are, those are so good. <laughs> nah, that is good gouge, man. That's good stuff. Okay, solid. Yeah, man. And then like the other thing that comes to mind is context and, and, and you know, folks, like you were saying with the baseline, it's like knowing when something's significant, you know, when something's not significant. <laughs> That yep. dude's got a uniform. He can have a gun. That dude, you know, doesn't, shouldn't have one. We're in a stadium. He shouldn't have one. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Things yeah. like that. Ed Calderon put a, put a great post on it. I got a lot of examples, but yeah. he put it on Ed, Ed's manifesto a while back, like last year, but it was perfect because it was a masked police officer in Mexico. Uh, I think it was in TJ and someone took a picture and sent it to him. So the guy's in full uniform, he's got a pistol, and he's got like a skull mask on and a, and a ball cap, you know. Um, normally for us, in the you know, this side of the, the, the border would see that and freak out going, what the heck is going on? Why does this cop have a mask on? 
Um, all sorts of alarm bells would be going off. Yeah, man. Yeah, whatever. That's but absolutely he had a, not. Exactly. And, and Ed broke it down. He goes, someone sent this to me. And he goes, I just need you to provide you context. That in Mexico City is perfectly normal. Why? Because the law enforcement over there is getting killed at the cyclic rate. So they want to cover their faces. They want to protect their identity. That's an everyday thing for people over there. But for us, we're not used to that. We'd start, you know, freaking out or getting paranoid or whatever. When it, to them, that's baseline behavior. Um, a lot of the times what I try to do, especially when I teach travelers, is you got to take the context of what you grew up in, what you've known in your whole life. And you got to make you got to reestablish baselines when you go to different neighborhoods, countries, areas, because that's not might not apply, you know. Um, mm-hmm. you're in my background in the military to uh, foreign countries, completely foreign countries that are not in line with, you know, kind of Western, um, how we socialize with each other. That was a big learning curve. So that's why uh, sometimes people want to get really nitty gritty with certain specific behaviors. And I like to t- stay zoomed out a little bit, you know, because I just have more inclination to teach you all nonverbals and body language of all these countries out there. But I can zoom out and teach you some patterns that human beings as a whole all over the globe uh, continue to exhibit. If we can look for those patterns, those habits that people exhibit, we can pull on that thread a little bit and disrupt these things. So contact is definitely huge uh, for the situation. I think also like one of the things we used to do when I go to a country, if I could sit down and have coffee pin on what our time allows for, but I would be as we're driving from the uh, FBO, from the jet to the hotel, I'd be watching everyone and I would just be building a baseline of like what normal people look like here, what they move like here, what their manners are like here. Is this a honk at everybody you see country or is yeah. this like a cut everybody off? Like by the flow of traffic, how organized is this place? Like, is it like gridlock everywhere or is it like a nice flow of traffic? You know, like they're just those types of things that I would start recognizing even on my drive to the hotel. And then if I can, I would like sit out on like a, they have like, you know, like a patio or a little coffee shop or somewhere. And I would just like have a meal, have some coffee and just watch everybody and just try to understand, you know, just people watch, man. And it is valuable stuff. Uh, 100%. 100%. 100%. That is uh, the, the, you know, time spent on reconnaissance is never time wasted. And you're building that info you're building is just pure gold because, you know, you've heard the term, you know, an ounce of prevention, you know, and all that. Um, I did a counter surveillance course one time. These guys brought me in and they wanted to teach this group of guys counter surveillance. And I said, well, I'm, I'm more on the surveillance side, you know, looking at this prevent indicators, disrupting violence and whatnot. And they go, yeah, but we want you to help with this, all with this. So I started sitting down putting pen to paper, like, Okay, how am I going to teach them to counter surveillance or how to blend in? And what's great about it, again, the science research-based behaviors just stay the same. You just got to reverse engine and talk about it in a different manner. So instead of looking for anomalies in my baseline, if I want to blend in, especially this being the Executive Protection Lifestyle um, podcast, um, I teach, I taught them to sit down at a venue, coffee area, just like you did, and be very deliberate about their observations. Like, all right, I'm watching the people. What's the speed of movement of the crowd? What's the general loudness level of the chatter? Is it quiet, reserved? Is it loud, boisterous? And then you get get even more specific, you know? If you want to really blend in your environment, you start watching that general area and go, all right, I'm going to pick out three different outfits, you know, pieces of clothing that I see three different times. You know, here in uh, Orange County, 
uh, board shorts, board shorts, board shorts, you know, whatever. After you see three different pieces of clothing three different times, you could put write that down and go, all right, that's an appropriate level of clothing this area. Now you can go out and buy some and blend in with the locals, you know. Um, same thing with activities. Watch, start watching what people are doing in your general area. Give me three activities, write down three activities that you see happen three different times, whatever that is. You know, somebody walking a dog, somebody bartering with a vendor, whatever that is. And now you have that book. That's a very deliberate way to go about establishing baselines. And now you can flip it around and reverse it. And now you can start building, um, becoming part of that baseline and really blending in. Uh, in the military, we call it low pro, you know, I'm sure the same thing in the executive protection. You know, you can go high visibility with a big suburban, a level 3A up armored suburban with whip antennas and like, you know, machine guns hanging out. But what does that do? That tells everybody in town, oh, somebody important is here. I don't know who, but we're going to focus our attention now. Um, and I knew guys in Iraq that were part of, you know, uh, Army Special Forces and whatnot, and they'd run around in like BMWs. They'd have like the kind of the dishdash of the man dress. They'd have it cut in half. They'd have all their gear and weapon system and all that. But if they drove by from, from their waist up, you'd just see three or four Arab dudes just driving to, you know, whatever. Uh, so those are good, very deliberate activities you can use to build context, kind of take away your bias from where you came from and start looking for patterns and start really blending into the baseline yourself. Heck yeah. That, that, that's good stuff, man. Um, uh, how do you, so you were talking about situational awareness, training people, situational awareness. Um, I find it, I have found it to be uh, difficult almost aggravating because like you know you got i got five sisters the wife's getting it you know i mean like you know the the civilians around me if you didn't grow up in a bad neighborhood or you didn't go to war or something i don't feel like it's something i feel like it's hard for people to see the reality in something that they have very little experiential information regarding and probably this just happens organically in your presentation, but are there any kind of uh, keys for getting, because like even what you were talking about just now, really what, what got me to think about this is you're teaching them to be very, make very deliberate observations and to deliberately observe, you know, like, and, yeah. and that's going to raise awareness. But um, I don't know, is there anything you would say to people that are like, well, I want to gain more situational awareness is there any tactic for teaching that or anything that you could give them? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so obviously you have the curriculum side, the curriculum side where right now yeah. instructors to go on their communities and teach this curriculum. Um, but you, you hit it on the head, Byron, this is not rocket science, but it's not common sense. If you haven't grown up in a bad neighborhood, if you haven't gone to war or been in a position to really build these file folders, these, these experiences and, you know, okay, you know, mm -hmm. you get real, real quick, you know, you haven't been there before you're mentally not prepared people make fun of you know the community they, they, they call them sheep you know sheeple you know all that stuff everyone likes to joke about god bless them. Yeah. it's it's not their fault yeah i know the whole good shepherd concept it's not their fault no one is showing them. hey there's some people that are just gonna bury their heads in the ground and there's nothing you or i or anybody can do about it till they reach up and get you know bit one day but those other people the 90 percent other people just don't know you can educate them using, using curriculum and my big takeaway when i teach my instructors is this so it's one thing to spout curriculum and to train someone but you really got to kind of dig into the emotional side of the house all right um we like to think human beings are logical but honestly we're very emotion driven so if during my curriculum during my training you know you've seen me go up and do my thing 
I'm, you know, doing cartwheels and, you know, letting off Roman candles. We're getting emotional, we're laughing, we're crying. You know, people are getting mad at me for some of the stuff I'm saying. I take them on that emotional roller coaster, and those emotions are tied with what I'm teaching. People will remember that. They make it very visceral. I, I get really deep in the some of the rabbit holes with some of the bad case studies we do, and they're very emotional. They're kind of horrible, actually. But what you're doing, what's great about the brain is you've been to war, I've been to war, uh, you might have grown up in a really bad neighborhood, uh, you know, whatever it is you experience up in life. The great thing is you don't have to physically go through those things to learn, right? Boom, yep. Can teach you this stuff, you know, there's definitely a process to it, you know. You know, is reality-based learning great? Yeah, heck yeah, that's the best teacher. But for those 90% of people out there that have been able, there's definitely a way to do it. I do it through storytelling through case studies to making it really real for them till they walk away again. I don't care if you remember my face. I don't care if you remember my name, but you're damn well going to remember all the stuff I taught you when you walk out of that class. Heck yeah. Nah, I dig it. Emotions get things deeper into people's minds, but uh, uh, the fact, man, it's like a principle I talk about all the time. Like, like, I don't know. I'm just amazed at the reality we get to live in where you can download people's experiences. I can get an audio book and I can know what, you know, Steve Jobs knew by just listening to him while I, I can, I can that's study awesome. and absorb his thought content by just yep. on my drive to work. Like that's, and people who just don't do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. like any great person, like great people that used to live great. You know what I mean? Like I can just, it's amazing, you know? Um, what would you say, uh, and on that, you were talking about some of the kind of case studies you guys look at that are a little bit more intense, but um, one of my questions I always ask is, what hard lessons have you learned in the field with your stuff? Uh, what kind of things would you say you've, well, I mean, <laughs> do you have any hard lessons from the field that you'd like to share? Yeah, yeah. Um, the biggest one uh, from the field, you know, is... I'd have to say, you know, if I had to narrow down is it, this goes back to what I was saying before about a bias for action, you know, building in a bias for action or where I have failed as a trainer, as an educator, as an instructor is not building enough bias for action. If, if, if you know what I'm saying is I do everything I can. I get excited with the training. I love the knowledge. But at the end of the day, if you don't do anything about it, that's where the big disconnect happens. So going back to my baseline analogy, you've established a baseline, you, you spotted an anomaly, now it's time for decision. You have to decide and you have to act. And so seeing some people I've trained, I, can, I would get mad at people in the field where I train them in all these skills for you know, weeks at a time, and we do some real physical type training, like a real urban terrain training or whatever, we have role players or whatever's going on. And I would see my students that I think were doing great They'd get to that vital point. They'd have the baseline. They'd look. They'd spot the anomaly, and they wouldn't make a decision, or they'd want to talk to their team leader, or they'd want to think about it or ask questions. And I'd get mad. I'd get very angry. It's like, what have I? What the hell have I been telling you? Three weeks now, bashing in your brain to do something about it. I realized I had to look internally as a trainer and go, "This is a failure on my part." Yeah, what if my systems aren't working? In sense, it's not something they grew up with. If that's the case and I'm supposed to be the trainer, I'm supposed to be the educator, what am I doing wrong? Are you going to get your one or 2%? We're just not going to get it 100%. Happens all the time, you know. But for the other percentage, 
What can I do to make myself better, to make that more real for them and make that decision to act, to do something. So that started me off on a journey to really clean up my training, really have it come from a good place where adult learners can really uh, retain that. All my rambling just made sense to you right now. Yeah, no, for sure, man. That's good stuff. That's just something for people to put in their mind. It's like when you see something, you know, do something, um, make an adjustment, make sure, even if it's just making sure it's in context and it's appropriate, you know, um, no, that's, that's really good. What would you say? uh, Any other, like, I heard you talk on the other one about this, which I thought was really good. Any other common mistakes people make when it comes to profiling? Last time you mentioned, um, what was it? Assigning intention to other people. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's another whole rabbit hole I could go off. Yeah. That's the, um, uh, go ahead. No, nah, that's just the question. Yeah. I don't know if that one is yeah. still one. No, one no, that's thing. great. Um, that's, uh, again, another part of my fight that I got to do with people. So mm-hmm. going back to establishing baselines, building in um, action and whatnot. So the biggest hurdle I have to get across is our own brains most of the time. Because uh-huh. going back to that factor, if we believe 90, 95% of people aren't walking around actively with threats around them all the time, um, so why would they believe, why would their brain believe not them, but their brain based mm-hmm. on its experience in life. It's never been mugged. It's never been in a fight. It's never been in these life or death situations. So why would it believe it's going to get into that into the future? You see what I mean? Yeah, goes exactly. It's training who, who goes out and buys gear and does this stuff is people a lot of times who have already been victimized, you know? So they're very aware. Then they know it's real. So how do you take someone who's never been there? and get them there. And one of the first things I, I talk about is stop explaining away people's behavior. If you see something against your baseline and it looks anomalous, the biggest mistake and oftentimes the first mistake people make is they see something weird or they see a weird behavior and they go, oh, that's funny. That's weird what that guy just did. You know what? He's probably just ABC. And you start filling in the blank. Yeah. What you have done is now you're starting to explain away somebody else's behavior or some type of anomalous action, and you're already getting in trouble. You're already going down the rabbit hole of denial. You're already assigning it. Well, it's not a threat. It's never been a threat before. So why is it going to be a threat now? So the best thing I could tell someone, the easiest thing to do is stop explaining away someone's behavior. If anything, make them explain their behavior. Ask them, hey, man, that was a little weird what you did right there. You okay today? How you doing today? Whatever. Make contact if you're so empowered. So that's the biggest thing I, I can say to that is don't explain away anyone's behavior. Only they can explain that away. And if you're not in a position to be empowered to go contact that person, let's say you're just out with your family watching a movie, at minimum, the action needs to be like, is this an unsafe environment? You know what? I don't even want to mess with that. I like stories that end with nothing. You know, everyone wants to be all Call of Duty with their, and then our Judy chopped him in the face and whatever. You know, I want my people to come back to me and go, yo, man, you know, because of what you said, I got my people out of there and nothing happened or something happened later. I don't know. I wasn't there. I was like, that's a good day in my book. Heck yeah, man. No, that's awesome. I'm 100% with you on that, man. What, uh, so if there was one thing, if there's one thing someone could take away from you, your brand, your course, this podcast, what would that one thing be? Um, I'll have to fall back to hope is not a tactic. Get him. Hope is not a tactic. You know, we've, we've heard this term a lot. It's been going around in the tactical community for a long time. Some people haven't heard it, but when I heard it the first time, it just slapped me. 
it encompasses basically everything I do in that one, that hope is kind of a hands-off mindset. Like, Oh, I hope this doesn't happen. I hope I never get into this. I hope my family happens. And you're just, you're giving up control. All right. So I'm all about being deliberate and being in control of your thoughts and what you're observing. So if we can stop with the hope of uh, hope being attacked, that's a good thing. Hope is not a tactic. Hope does not stop bullets. Hope does not stop an active shooter. Um, I'm not saying be negative and be paranoid and be freaking out all the time. You don't want that stuff to real. It, it's kind of a balance. But base your observations, base your own safety and security off repeatable re, uh, research-based behaviors that I can look for in a crowd, like past flying behavior, talk about and go, wait a minute, we got something here. I'm not going to freak out just yet, but I've definitely focused my attention and stop saying things like, I hope this never happened. I hope it doesn't happen to my kids, you know. What do you, if you, I'm not saying you can fix everything out there. You're going to be completely hundred percent safe, but what are you doing right now? How are you being deliberate besides saying, Oh, I hope that doesn't happen. Stop with the hope, you know, get, get that out of your head and start doing something, start training, start training people. You know, that's why I developed that the safe instructor program is because I was only one guy out here banging my head against the wall, trying to get this word out here for the past few years. And then I got smart and realized I need to train other people in this to really viralize the word out there. And that's what we're doing right now. We got, you know, over 150 instructors globally, not only here in America, we got people in the UK, Canada, uh, the Netherlands, uh, Mexico city, and all over the United States really getting this word out there. You know, it's a struggle, you know, it's a relatively new thing and it's a relatively new message. So people still figure it out. But my instructors are right now, right now, this month, next month, they're training our community members. Uh, in these skills, how to keep it safe, and really just get this information out there. So that's that's going to be the big push for 2020. I love that. Hope is not a tactic. I think it's the difference between the doers and the donters, you know what I'm saying? Because yep. the doers are like, I don't feel normal until I have a plan. I have I have a strategy just in case something happens. And the donters are like, no, situational awareness is paranoia and PTSD. Yeah. Don't yeah, do there that. You, go. you shouldn't do <laughs> yeah. that. You're teaching people PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. God bless you. Um, like, no, I'm teaching you responsible situational. Well, you can save yourself. You save your kid's life. Like, save everyone's life around you, a whole entire room of people, yeah, anybody, you know? Anybody? And it's like, I don't, I, you could be a, you know, 215 pound, you know, martial artists, or you could be like a little girl that just is like, oh, why is that guy over there, you know, doing that weird thing with that rifle in his hand? Like, you know what I mean, yeah, yeah. like daddy, you know, like, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, 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 it's like we study all these martial arts and we do all these things that make us dangerous and that's good. But this one thing about how to deal with your awareness, the situational awareness is like, it's so often the make or break. Like if you look at like everything I post and I almost get tired of saying it, I'm like, situational awareness, don't leave your back to open spaces and make yourself an attractive target. I'm like, you know, like, like again and again, it's because there's these, these principles, you know, and it's, it's, it's like principles of protection nowadays. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody like wants to focus on the technology or the mm-hmm. gear or the you know the, the the new shooting stance or new whatever it is, and that's you know hey that's you definitely want to train with your gear, train like you fight, and yeah. you know uh, keep that that edge honed sharp, you know. But there's a whole other side of the coin that we can be training to and looking at, and, yeah. and just the reaction reactive side 
not just react to these bad events. You got to understand how to do that, but being proactive and look at things that are, that are pre-event indicators that happened before that. And you can disrupt those and minimize threat, minimize violence. You know, by going back to that question, you asked me like, you know, what's, what's, who are you at your core? Yeah. Is this training at its core? Is this, you know, back in the day, you know, they came out with a white paper and all these big brain PhDs looked at this training and they said, you know, what? the person who comes out of this type of training comes out the other end, like 200% more aware of their surroundings. Right. Hey, that's a good number. 200%. That's a really good number. That's fantastic. I'm not educated, man. I thought it stopped at a hundred. Apparently it just keeps on going, just keeps climbing. Um, that's great. Okay, cool. But what if I could, all I could do with you is make you 5% more aware yesterday, 3% more aware yesterday. If I could, if all I could do with my time with you is make you 1% more aware than you were yesterday, I've done my job. That's a, that's a good day in my book because the difference of that 1% can make as opposed to yesterday when you were 1% less, that could be between life and death, right? Yeah. Put it, put it another way. We put a time component on there. Uh, if you if you hit the I believe button and you're going to run into a bad problem one of these days in your life, stuff is going to accelerate zero to 100 uh, right in front of your face. If you believe that's going to happen, and you should. If I could gift you 60 seconds before that bad event, would we take the 60 seconds? I could be like the combat theory and flutter down with my wings and ding you with my wand, and give you 60 seconds. Would we take the 60 seconds before that bad event? You already know it. You already you know, know it, it right? <laughs> 60 <laughs> seconds is a lifetime. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot of bad event. That is a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. What about 30 seconds or 10 seconds? That's the difference. That's yeah. the difference. Exactly. <laughs> just give you one second before that event, make you 1% more aware. That's the difference between life and death and a, and a live client, a dead client. That's that's the difference of you being on the news or you not being on the news, you know? Last month, last month, it was six seconds. The guy with the sawed off shotgun rolled into that church in Texas and the whole entire thing was over in six seconds. Six seconds. Zero seconds. Multiple armed people, you know, and two people, thank God those armed people were there to stop any further. But with right. seconds, what, two people dead, one wounded. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy world we live in nowadays, but you don't have, to, you don't have to walk around with, you know, a, a medium machine gun on your hip, but you also don't have to walk around completely unarmed with, without a mindset. That's what we do is we teach that mindset. Mm-hmm. And you, and you said you have how many instructors? 150 right now, 150 and counting as of today, all over the place. Wow, oh, man. Just, just. Just spreading the gospel of situational yeah, just, awareness. <laughs> we're, we're, we're bringing everybody to church on this one, man. We got our yes. first on. Um, I started the the digital product, the Safe Instructor Program, probably about five months ago. And yes. whirlwind. I couldn't believe the the response we've got. Um, once you dig in and really get the core, and they're great people. I've built a cool little tribe of protectors. And I really got scared, Byron, when I started this and I started opening up like a digital product on the internet, teaching people how to teach us stuff. I got worried because of the Yahoo factor. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, the people coming in from all parts of the internet joining in, I don't know who was going to join and it's yeah. been, but fantastic. People. The Yahoo factor. That's hilarious. It took me a second. But I, I know what you're talking about. Even for me with the symposium, I was like, yo, who's going to, sh- like, yeah. what if, like, <laughs> And they're like, oh, you're with that guy? You're Byron's buddy? Okay, you're all crazy now. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, um, you know, it's not that at all. It's people who are retired cops, uh, active duty cops, 99% of them of our veterans, um, uh, foreign wars and church security teams, tactical trainers who already have a business. And that's what I really wanted to bring it, bring them in. And I can actually show people that not only can you teach these skills to your community, but you can learn the business lessons that I learned that I had to learn the hard way to really get your information out there, right. To really, um, build in some revenue. You know, I think of generating revenue as generating energy. If I can make you money teaching the skills, that means you're teaching more people. And now it's kind of viralized. It's ex- exponential instead of me just running around screaming this at the top of my lungs. Now I got 150 instructors all over the globe just knocking this out at the cyclic break. And every time they open their mouth, every time they teach a person, they charge for a class and they teach a person. We've now spread the message a little bit farther and a little bit farther. And now instead of waiting for law enforcement, waiting for, you know, help to show up on these active shooter incidents, we're the help. We're the ones empowered with a mindset. We can look at this thing and go, you know what? Something's off right now. I need to start doing something right now. All right. Because I ask my people when I teach my class live, I ask them at the symposium, hey, who's the first responder? It's not EMS. It's not emergency services. It's not the cops. It's us. We're the first responders now. The mom and pop, the security, the church security, we're the ones right there when the gun goes off. So would I love to teach military and law enforcement all day? I still teach them, but I, I, I backed off, obviously. Would I love to teach them all day, every day? Sure. But at least military and law enforcement have something to work with, whereas often community members or people who don't know these skills have zero. They're operating off of zero. So if I can increase that, we can get ahead of these problems and really get that message out there. And that's what we're doing with that safe instructor program right now. So it's been a blessing with the people that I've brought in and we're just building a cool little tribe out there, um, keeping our community safer. Outstanding, man. That is, that's so motivating. It's so impactful. It's like you're spreading like white blood cells into the, you know, into the human race right now. It's so powerful. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, Yeah, man. I'm so happy to be connected with you. Uh, For our our closing questions, um, how would you like people to remember you? Wow, that's another easy one, Byron. Yeah, you know you boy. Come on. Um, <laughs> you, can um, hit, you can hit the favorite quote or mantra first if you want. <laughs> no, I'm, I'll tackle this. I'll lean into this bad boy. Yeah, all right, all right. Talk about five. action. I'll lean into it. Um, there's, look, okay, there's a great movie on fan, okay? Mm-hmm. I love everything he does. And he's a guy either you love him or you hate him. Wait, who? I think you cut out. Great movie by M. Night Shyamalan, the the director. Either you love him or you hate him. He did Mm -hmm. he did you know a bunch of other stuff. I love him. I I love his direction. And there's a dumb little movie with Paul Giamatti, and it's called Lady in the Water. I don't want to go down a ramble. Most people hated it. For me, it's like a cult classic. But anyway, there's a person in the movie that can know your future. And she asked this guy, he's a writer, he's writing a book and he's always been writing. He's like that guy, like, Oh, I'm going to be a writer one day. He's been writing this book for like 20 years. <laughs> God bless him. Person, yeah. He asked this person who can know, who knows his future. Like, Hey, am I going to get famous? Am I going to do it? Am I going to be that big author, best selling? Everyone's going to know me. And she pretty much flat out tells him, no, no one's going to know you. No one's going to even know your name. No one's going to barely remember your book. Your, your book is barely going to get bought by anybody. And he's like, all sad. He's like, oh my God, what? And he go, and she's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, they just crushed us all his hope and dreams. But she tells him, but 
one day, uh, a one guy is going to read your book. He's going to buy it and he's going to read your book and he's really going to love it. He's going to have a son. He's going to talk to his son about that book a lot. It's always going to be sitting up there on the shelf. That son's always going to see the book and his dad's always going to be telling him about the ideas in the book. That son goes up, grows up to be a big, great leader, like a president, a global leader based off the ideas in that book. And so I know this is a little weird. It's a little down the hole. I love it. I want to be that guy. I want to be the book shelf. I don't need the fame, the fortune. I don't need my face out there. I need people to know this information and be better. So I want to be the book on the shelf that everyone, you know, looks to and goes, yeah, I remember that or that thing we talked about that a second, a third, a fourth generation from now is going to remember and do actions based off that and be awesome. And again, I don't care if they remember the name, whatever it is, but I'd like to be the inspiration, the inception for someone to do out and go out and, and do great things, you know, um, add, adding to that, I have something I'm sitting on right now. One of my instructors, my safe instructors just posted this yesterday. He's law enforcement. I can't let it go. And I'm sorry. It's kind of, you know, keeping a secret, but he just had a big win using some of these specific skills. We're going to awesome. go in about a week. We got to let it die down a little bit because, you know, he's law enforcement, but yeah. things that are happening every day right now. So that just puts a big dumb grin on my face. Heck yeah. Granty enough for you. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, that was fantastic, man. That was, that was, I love answers that are like all over the river through the woods and like outside the box. Oh, like, I'm going to take you there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yo, uh, favorite quote, mantra? Um, I've had a lot over the years. Obviously, I'm a, a voracious reader. But uh, right now, I've been going off this one for a year now, especially starting the Safe Instructor and really diving into the business. Is uh, It's Facebook's old quote, actually. I don't think they still use it, but I think it was their motto when Mark Zuckerberg and all stood, uh, stood up. But I think it applies to life in general, not just business. I started out using a business, but then I just realized uh, you can use it in all facets of your life. And it's, you know, move fast and break things huh. fast and break things, you know, uh, and this piggybacks into another, I can't even remember this quote perfect, but it talked about like, when you, you know, when you die, you show up at the pearly gates, you shouldn't like calmly walk up to the gates and dressed in your Sunday's finest going, all right, here's the next chapter of my life. You should peel into that thing, like drift into that thing, a screech to a halt come flying out of there with a car burning on fire. Like, Oh crap, that was crazy. You know, you come screaming mm -hmm. into your life. So move fast and break things is something I, I tell myself every morning, get out there and break stuff and do things and, and get to action and see what kind of things you can get into in life. Not all good, but uh, take some risk. You take, take some chances and things start to pan out eventually. Heck yeah. Nah, I'm right. There. You know, I'm right there with you. I'm yeah. the same exact way, man. We're getting after it. Yep. Just we're trying to spend this life, man. This God's yep. currency we got right now. Yes, sir. Yeah, I like that. God's currency. Like that's that. yeah. That's time, man. Time. That's God's currency. Stolen. Yeah, man. I'll pay you to leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying you want some of my time. That's yeah, what you want. <laughs> that's God's currency. Uh, let's see here. Uh, habit. Like any kind of daily habit or anything that you have that you think makes you a better person. Yeah, uh, or, or a better protector that you'd like to. Yeah. Yeah. I said this at the symposium and again, getting into business, man, it's a slog, you know, there's no, it's not sexy. It's not fun. There's a lot of grinding and slogging through for years, you know, it comes if you stay with it. But um, one thing I really do, and this is an executive protection, military law enforcement, 
this is for everybody. I never used to do this coming from the Marine Corps because you know how it was, man. It was just, hey, diddle, diddle right up the middle. Like, yeah, I haven't slept for three days. I'm going to just go get this done right now, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. You learn to get it done, you know. Cool. I got that. I know I can get it done. I did all my time in the Marine Corps. You know you can get it done. But Heck yeah. now I'm a little older. I'm not in the Marine Corps anymore. Is there a smarter way to do business? And I protect my yeah, right. I protect my mornings and I protect my evenings mentally and physically. So when I block off my morning, I wake up early, wake up six, six thirty. I do me time. I do Yusuf's time. I work out. I read book. I read. I do something I, I like. I enjoy doing. That's going to invigorate me, wake me up in the morning, and then I roll into work. Then at the end of the day, I just reverse it. You know, two three hours yet at the end of the night, I go. I I, I stop. I shut it all down. And I go, now it's family time. Now I get to cooking dinner, hanging out with my wife, walk my dog, whatever it is. And I have this nice long ramp down to sleep time. Again, I'm not saying not everyone can be in a position to do that. People's schedules are crazy. But if you're deliberate about it and you try to do it as much as you can, you might not have, you know, a whole chunk of time that you have to do anything you want, but build in a little bit of time for you in the morning. And at the end of the day, it will do wonders for you mentally, spiritually. And it just gets you motivated to get up there. Like everybody hates Mondays, right? I love Mondays. I get amped up. I have my, my Sundays, my, my untouchable day. Get um, And I wake up in the morning, like I've been gifted another Monday. Let's get at it. Let's do this. You know, I I'm tired by Friday. So the weekend's nice, but every Monday I wake up like, Hey, let's, let's get at it. It's another chance at doing this. I've been gifted more God's currency. Yep. Make it worth it. You know? Yeah. I man, you said so much stuff in there that I believe in, man. That's <laughs> so much good stuff. I say a lot of stuff. Okay. Yeah, no, but the the protecting your time, huge, huge. Uh keeping yourself healthy by doing things that you love, that you're to to take care of yourself. You can't serve on any reasonable high, medium level if you're banged up. You can't even fight. Like we can't even, you know what I mean? So me too, man. That's why I wake up at four and everyone's like, You're crazy. I'm like, I get like four hours to myself every single day. <laughs> you know it's so and, quiet. Oh, it's, it's so, so quiet. Not, right? The sun doesn't even come up. Yeah. I get it's so quiet. Yeah. And then around like 8, 7, 30, 8 o'clock, the phone starts ringing. People got all their problems. They're coming. Hey, I yep. need you to solve this. Hey, you need to do this. Remember the thing you didn't do? Yep. And you're like, yep. okay, okay. But by then, I've moved a few thousand pounds in the gym. Maybe I hopped in my UV sauna, you know what I'm saying? That's Got my awesome. oils, my, my rock yeah. salt lamp. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm visualizing the future, looking out the window. Hell yeah. And I'm ready to like fight and die before the end of the day. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. Think about those things you just said, Byron. Think about how much you've accomplished, you know, before the sun comes up. Right. Most people haven't even accomplished. It'll take them half the day to pull that out. You've done that before the sun come up. So... Right. Another way I think about it is like, if I work out, if I take care of myself mentally and spiritually, and let's say I have a bad business day, let's say I have a bad day or whatever happened, maybe I have a bad family day, at least I knocked it out on these two fronts, you know, or I have a bad workout or I have to miss my workout because of some fire I got to put out, you know, at least my meditation and my family, my business time. So if you have a multiple fronts and what you said right there, man, you're knocking out what most people don't finish in half the day before the damn sun even comes up. That's, that's a good life, brother. It is. It's a blessing, man. It's a good decision. That's what's up. And I love that stuff, man. And just to be succinct. So this safe program you have, 
Uh, first question is safe stands for what? Second question is just to make sure I understand it. You are creating instructors that then can go out and almost like a franchise have their own business uh, teaching what it is that you have built a whole entire career, like yep. built your empire teaching over all these years, really. Yep, 100%. Yeah. So the SAFE instructor program, the SAFE stands for a situational awareness for employees. And uh, hey, what's with that? You know, uh, I've, I've found that most organizations need this training. They want this training. They're operating from zero a lot of the times. So if I can teach you how to teach to, to gather these organizations and really teach them these skills, you can hit a lot more people. So it's not bad to go out and get five, 10 people in a class or whatever, but if you can get a beachhead, if you can establish a relationship with a business organization, a church, a synagogue, now you have the ability to hit, you know, 50, 60, hundred people at a time, multiple times and work with them to get the message out there. So that's why I really focus there. But when you come into the safe instructor program, I, one of the tasks you have to do is develop your own group of people that you want to teach to. So not only do I have my instructors teaching right now to organizations and businesses, but they're specifically going after realtors, um, uh, flight attendants, teachers, church uh, security details, whatever it is under the sun, police officers, law enforcement, military. So whatever it is, you make it your own and you go after your tribe and really get that out there and build either a side hustle or a business on it. You can generate revenue. When I started this, I had nothing but like my Instagram with like 30 people on it and like a bunch of passion to teach us stuff. And I was running around and I was still knocking out 10 to 15 people classes, you know, once a month, twice a month. And I had no idea. Um, so I developed the safe training. It's fully online. It's self-paced. Um, you don't have to fly out for, for me to go. There's a certification process I put you through. And then you learn all this awesome behavioral indicators. You learn how to teach it. But now you also learn all the stuff I learned in business over doing this for a few years. And I tell people, hey, when you get into the business modules, you're not going to listen to me because I'm a subject matter expert in business. You're going to listen to me because I've, I've failed a thousand times. I've screwed this up so many times, Byron. I've probably invented some new ways to screw up business. So instead of killing yourself and I see people trying to operate like biz, big businesses out there and a big business compared to a small one is a completely different entity. You cannot operate like them. You will die and, and go tired. You will die tired. And die exhausted. tired and bankrupt. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So oh. there's a much smarter way to do it. There's a way you can update your business and revenue way to bring those people to you uh, and really teach them these skills. And, and that's how I say I keep, I viralized it because those people are touching other people. They're bringing instructors into the program. I also have an affiliate program where, you know, I'll, I'll literally pay you a whole chunk of money just to get more people in there because at the end of the day, my intent is to get this message out there by hook or by crook, whatever I got to do. If I got to build you a business and build, generate revenue and, and put money and coin in your pocket, that's what I got to do. Because at the end of the day, this information needs to get out there far and wide to really arm our, our communities with, with all the crazy stuff that's happening lately. Heck yeah. No, I love it, man. Uh, making the world a safer place by making good people a little bit more dangerous is what I always say. People more dangerous. I love yeah. it. Heck yeah, man. You're making them more aware. That's what's up. Okay. Awesome, man. What, um, and that's what you're up to these days. Okay. Yep. So, and where can people find out, find your information and all that good stuff? So yeah, we'll have a link in there. Uh, yeah. a link will take you right to a webinar registration. So I, in the webinar, it's online. It's whenever you have time to jump on there and watch it. I answer a lot of questions people probably have. People are probably had questions before, but probably they got more questions. 
So I do a really deep dive in that webinar and that link you'll have there that really explains how it works. This isn't a franchise deal. You won't, don't work for me. You don't owe me a percentage of it. It's just a one-time thing. I really, what specific observable indicators you're going to be teaching, how you're going to be teaching it. It includes all the materials, instructor presentation guides, instructor slides, all that good stuff. So I really break it down in the webinar and I, and I, I go through some of the information I did today. People go to that link and check it out. Again, you can go whenever you want to. That'll give you the good broad rundown of everything I'm doing with that. And, and, and once you're done watching, the great part is, hey, don't take it from me. That link will send you to another one that will show you what instructors in the program right now have to say about it. So don't take it from the horse's mouth. Listen to my instructors. Listen to what they're saying about the program right now and what they have to say about it and how they're out there already knocking out classes. So that link will take you to, to all that information, Byron. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll have it in the, in the, in the text beneath the screen, um, man, I love your passion. I love, I love what I love. I love it. I feed off it. It's, you know, it's our language, man. So that's, I feed off you, man. You bring it out of me. Give me all, give me all. Heck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That's what's up. Good stuff. So like situational awareness, we all need it. Uh, we all need to get better at it. Yosef's the man teaching it. Uh, and it's been an honor to speak just spread the word and, and share this time with you, brother. I, I look forward to the next summer paths cross, man. Thank you. It's been an honor. No, thank, thank you, Byron. Uh, this helps get the word out. And I, I really appreciate you bringing me on and bringing me into the fold in the protector symposium and in the executive protection lifestyle. Uh, anything I can do for you, man, I think this is a, a great relationship, a great platform to get this stuff out there. So again, thanks so much for having me on again and anything I could do for you, my friend, uh, just say the word. Awesome. Well, we got Protector Symposium season two coming up, might be going on the road. So, you know, we're going to be talking about that stuff too. So y'all keep looking for that to get some firsthand knowledge from Yosef and I'll be doing some instructing at that one too. So it'll be good. All right then, brother. Take care. Talk soon. God bless and Semper Fi, man. Semper Fi, man. Stay frosty out there. You got it. Boom. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Essentially, it's everything I know about executive protection and a lot of soft skill training on the techniques, tactics, principles that I believe make it so some protection agents succeed while others fail, regardless of background. Anyways, check it out executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to take your executive protection career to the next level. Out. To support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that, the lifestyle behind that. You guys are already killing it. $1 a month. $5 a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on McDonald's. Hey, you want to put it towards something that's going to good use? Put it towards a podcast and get involved in our, our Patreon account at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. And if you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. 
Um, you know, do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can to that Patreon account because it makes all of these things possible, ladies and gentlemen. So much love. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom! I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, Follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com and I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.